Welcome to More Than Words, a podcast about treating the whole child brought to you by the Reading and Language Learning Center. I'm your host, Tristan, and today I'm joined by educational psychologist and cognitive neuroscientist, Dr. Lane Kobfleisch, to discuss unmasking. Hello, Dr. K. How are you? Hi, Tristan. Good. How are you today? We are fabulous. So excited for you to be here and to talk about this very important topic. Same. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's learn about you. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. Um, I'm an educational psychologist and a cognitive neuroscientist. I have a a practice called 2E Consults LLC that specializes in twice exceptional kids, gifted children with different kinds of learning and psychiatric disabilities. But I'm also of the belief that we are all individuals with differences. And so my doors are open to anyone that seeks my services. Um, And I do things like psychoeducational evaluation, IEP advocacy, I coach assistive technology and social skills for 2E kids who have autism and um, social issues, do a lot with ADHD, and and I also coach across the lifespan. Most wow. of my adult clients are in the ADHD autism spectrum yeah. categories who are kind of relearning themselves. And so regardless of who's sitting in front of me, I'm always getting to represent a person to themselves in a really special way. Wow, that sounds so rewarding, like such special work. It's fun. And then the other side of it is with organizations that serve families and kids. So I work a lot with schools. I do a lot of staff developments um, of clinical staffs and education um, to help animate the ideas just beyond my table. And that's also equally rewarding. Yeah, I'm sure. Oh, well, mm-hmm. thank you. So if people were looking to find your practice for any a myriad of reasons, um, where would they go? Mm-hmm. Online, it's www.the2e.com. That's my website. Um, I'm also on social media. Facebook is 2E Consults LLC at Dr. Lane K. And my Instagram is Dr. Lane Kopfleisch, no spaces. Um, physically, I'm located in Reston, 12020 Sunrise Valley Road, about a mile or so from the Wheelie Metro. Oh, okay, perfect. So I'll put um, those notes in the like episode notes section, and people can find you however they need. Great. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. So let's hop into this topic. So we're talking about masking today and unmasking and all of that entails. And when we were when Dr. K and I were picking this topic, um, we were discussing her book. And I think that's kind of where we decided to pick this topic from. So do you want to discuss your book a little bit before we get started? Absolutely. So the book is Teaching to Every Kid's Potential, Simple Neuroscience Lessons to Liberate Learners. It came out in September 2021 during the pandemic. Um, Norton is the publisher, W.W. Norton, New York. And it's written, the book is classically written for people who are instructing, whether they're in formal classrooms or informal teaching environments, Mm -hmm. like museums or art studios or parks. Um, But you could really cross out kid and say ones, teaching to everyone's potential, because it's four essential teachings about ways we've misunderstood ourselves as learners, problem solvers, and creators. And so it applies to anybody across the lifespan because it's these four ways that we've we've kind of missed some cues about how we truly function. So four teachings in the book, 
about what a brain would say if it could tell us about what it needs to be optimized and well. Um, And so four chapters, flexibility, readiness, connection, and unmasking. And of course, we're talking today about unmasking. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. That's, I think, Mm -hmm. such an incredible book. Um, I'll have that linked in the show notes too, so people can get their hands on a copy and understand themselves and their kiddos a little bit better. Great. Yeah. So what is unmasking and what's masking if we're even, how do we get there? (laughs) Sure. So, you know, masking is, is one thing concealing another, either on purpose or, or unconsciously in some of the ways that we might talk about today. Um, And so unmasking for a parent, a teacher, or even a person for themselves is understanding what energy you're extending or your child or a student is extending to appear normal, to fit in. Mm-hmm. And of course, peer pressure is, you know, everyone's always looking to their left or their right. Like, right. am I in the context? And we know that kids who don't have those skills or have that perception, they're the ones that struggle. And so unmasking is, is a, someone in a helping capacity saying, I know what's really going on with you. And because I can kind of see through the mask, I can reach I can reach behind that mask and I can help bring you forward in a healing way, in a positive way, in a way that's going to make you more comfortable. So it's it's really recognizing um, things in formal learning like executive functions. Right. You know, you can have kids who are off task, who are really brilliant. You can have kids who are super focused, who are ruminating and not really producing. Right. Um you know, these are just some of the missed signals that we might interpret one way when something else is going on with the kiddo. And of course, if we can't get to that root fairly quickly, we know we're not going to move the needle on the problem. Yeah. So how do you start to recognize that someone is masking or how does a a person recognize their own masking? Mm -hmm. Um, Pay attention to where your energy goes. Um, you know, parents will often say they, my kid goes to school. My teeth, the teachers say they love what my child brings to the table. That child comes home and just runs out of gas behaviorally, mm. you know, let you know, inhibition, uh, mood swings, uh, medicine coming, coming out of their system. All right. these things create these, you know, these spikes and these waves, uh, and that's a sign that your kiddo is masking, that if if they're out of gas at the end of the day and don't have a lot of energy or enthusiasm for things or they're irritable, that's a big sign that they're expending a lot of energy into skills and maintenance in school that they can let go of at home in a more comfortable environment. In an individual, same thing. You know, if you're at the end of your day and you're absolutely don't have energy for the things you think you really want to do, mm. you know, thinking back a few steps about where am I putting my energy? Um, you know, is there a particular situation that's really draining for me? And is it a room with 10 people? Is it one particular professional interaction? Is mm. it one particular task? Um and, you know, these are all the ways that we compensate and, you know, masking is a greater, a greater degree of compensation because it tends to be compensation that really takes energy from you that you have a hard time maintaining. Right. Yeah. So do you have any examples of what masking, like 
what someone could term as masking per se. Like, could you give us like a little anecdote, if you will? Um, Sure. So in kids, you know, if I'm sitting with parents and we're looking how parents see their kiddo from the outside in or a teacher sees the kiddo from the outside in, you know, let's say their behavioral control looks age appropriate. And so we would think, okay, that self-management skill for that particular kiddo is good. Only if the if the child is old enough to self-report and you see a, a score that's in a clinical range or you know approaching a clinical range and a parent says, well, they look fine to me. And a teacher might say, well, they look fine to me. And those are the points where I always say that kiddo is putting a lot of energy into masking and maintaining that skill in order to appear appropriate. And so if you're wondering why you have an appropriately behaving kiddo who runs out of gas at the end of the day, you know, that self-report is showing us that they're trying really, really Really hard. hard. It's like the duck moving slowly across the water, but their feet are going like crazy. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Um, So how would, once you've recognized that you're masking or once a parent has recognized their kid is masking, how do you start that process of unmasking? Um, I always, I always go to two questions to try to go right to the root really quickly. You can ask yourself, or you can do this observing someone from the outside in, and you can say, is what's happening right now is, are they a little bit off because they don't have the skill? that they need in order to do X. Right. And if, if they don't have the skill, then that's you pivot to teaching or training them, right. right. Or coaching them. If you know the skill is there and it can't come out or it's not coming out, then you need to figure out how can I shift the context for this person mm-hmm. so that they can animate the, a skill set I know that they have. Okay. Yeah. And a, an example I like to use is math anxiety. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right? Because people can know their math, but be in a test situation, right. which this happens to a lot of kids, a lot of people that it, under a time situation or it's an exam, they've got the content, but they can't bring it out because they're really stressed and worried about the test. But you could sit them down on a Saturday afternoon in a coffee shop and, you know, they could do math on napkins for you. So it's that kind of thing. It's like, is it there? And I just need to shift the environment for them or teach them how to shift. Or is it a a knowledge deficit in which it's coached or trained? So every situation, every mismatch kind of boils down to one of those two situations. Very interesting. So with that, do you have tips, like very specific or non-specific tips that will help someone learn that way of unmasking? So one of the the formal ways in the book, there's an enormous table that breaks down all of the skills of executive functioning and executive functioning skills. There's eight or nine of them. They basically fall into two containers, your ability to manage yourself Mm -hmm. or your ability to manage everything else. So it's kind (laughs) of the cognitive information management or your self-management, your behavior and your emotions. And the challenging thing in childhood is those skills don't physically mature in the frontal lobes of the brain until you're 25. Wow. So 25 years old, 
is kind of the moment of physical accountability for those skills. Wow. And, and, and so throughout childhood and especially the teenage years, there's a lot of growth spurts that are occurring in parts of the brain and the frontal cortex to bring those skills fully into maturity. So, you know, we're talking about a long trajectory. We're talking about looking at kids from the inside out from the time they're in preschool through high school. And so you're always trying to figure out among those eight or nine skills, where where are each of the kids I'm tending to? Right. So that can be a complex pattern, but there's a table that breaks down all of the skills by their age to show, you know, by each skill, here's where, here's what you should be able to expect at a certain age, Mm -hmm. right? That's your baseline. Then what if this kiddo has dyslexia? What if this kiddo has ADHD or autism? What if this kiddo is gifted? There are all of these, you know, very you know, those are kind of the grand areas of human capacity that shift right. in childhood, right? We see all those learning differences. So along with it, breaking down the skills by age, it I account for each uh, disability and learning condition to yeah. show how those tend to bias the executive functions. And so if, you know, if you want to get a snapshot of the big picture in a way that you have kind of a matrix that can help you sort out who's in front of you yeah. and kind of where they might be by age and skill and disability. That gives you a general idea of, oh, this this is where I might start helping them better unmask because I'm going to get better at seeing what really might be going on behind the scenes. You know? Wow. Yeah. yeah. That sounds like, oh my, like every parent's dream. <laughs> It's there are there are two parts of the table because I took the two biggest, most accepted theories of of executive function in psychology. And I based the tables on those frameworks that are presented in the psychology literature um, that have been, you know, are starting to be and have been really well researched in child development and cognitive neuroscience, looking at, you know, brain growth trajectories and things like that. Yeah. So it's really meant for anybody to say, if I have somebody of this particular age, how do I even begin this whole process of unmasking? Right. Uh, yeah. And so that's wow. a very granular, a way to to get granular about it and have all of the learning conditions and the executive functions right in front of you at the same time. Right. So you can see how those skills might be influenced and how they might influence each other. Right. So Mm -hmm. it sounds like when you are able to kind of dissect where someone is in their skill building with executive function, you can kind of take a step back and say, they might not have this skill yet. Mm -hmm. Right. And that Mm -hmm. answers your first question of, do you have this skill? Right. Are you expected to have this skill? Right. No. I think the other layer that's worth noting is that, you know, COVID separated us all for a long enough period of time that developing children may not be quite their age right now. Right. No, you expect an 11 year old to have certain skills and that 11 year old might may or may not 
You know, it's a highly individual thing, but it's another thing that I think we have to take into consideration in what we're expecting people to do, especially if somebody's really struggling. Um, You know, one, one of my other classic examples of unmasking is, you know, attention deficit disorder can have five different roots. Um, I mean, you can have a classic attention deficit, low dopamine, but you can be a, a brilliant person who's bored. You can right. be a person who's has emotional trauma. Mm-hmm. You can be hungry. You can be um, you can be an allergic person who's had to take too much corticosteroid, oh, um, yeah. which can amp your system and leave right. your system in a you know in a steroidal state. So you know again, if you're looking at somebody who's generally struggling, uh, unless you can find that right neighborhood among those five. Per- potential roots, you know, you aren't going to help them unless you really know what's brought them to you in this way. Right. So once a parent has, um, kind of identified what's going on with their kiddo and they're looking at that matrix, do you have any recommendations for like what they do to get started after that? A lot of it has to do with find your words. Okay. You know, one of the most satisfying aspects of what I do is that when there's stress between students and teachers and parents and kids, there, it, what is it? It's this undefined tangle, right? Mm-hmm. Where everybody's raw nerves are right there, which keeps you from problem solving. Right. And to be able to point to scores you know, or some kind of a an index um, and schools sometimes do these and, um, you know, these kinds of, as- you can do this without doing an entire psychoeducational evaluation. Right. But once you have some kind of an idea, then, then there's a word for it, you know, mm. oh, you're struggling with inhibitory control. Well, what's that, Dr. K? Well, does your brain have a filter? You know, we all have people in our lives and we joke about so-and-so doesn't have a filter because they tend to say and do everything that comes into their mind. Right. And, and so to be able to talk about it at that level and say, well, this is kind of the, one of those moments. Yeah. And then, you know, then the person all of a sudden is, has that insight, that connection, but then it, it's not being done in a shameful way, you know? And so you're able to laugh about it. And then have a conversation of, so the thing that's really you're having trouble with is this filtering. Yeah. So let's talk about like, what makes a good filter? Are you rested? Have you had your meal? Uh, Do you need a drink of water? Do you need to get up and walk around? I mean, these are all very simple things that break us, you know, a moment of stress, but it's also a good place to start to let a person know, not just with words, but with actions. Okay. You're in a good space. We can name this. We can make it smaller because it has a name now. Right. And we can call it what it is. And we're going to practice these new routines. Yeah. Um, I'll give you an example, a a person that I'm coaching right now, who's on the autism spectrum Mm -hmm. and, and, and that he has the hardest time simply walking into a classroom. Like transition, middle school, right? And so what do we do? Well, now now he has three questions. Okay, I'm walking in the door. Um, 
who's in my class, mm-hmm. who's, who's the person that I really relate to. Right. I'm going to go in and say a kind hello to them. And then what's like one curious question I have about what, what we're doing in class. Right. And so he's no longer worried and stressed out in the hallway because he doesn't know how to come into class. Mm. He's just going to answer one or two questions for himself right. that makes him stop and then enter mindfully and kind of with these little tiny social goals. Right. So, oh, all of a sudden the transition isn't so difficult. Right. And yeah, so wow. you've unmasked his lack of control in the beginning of a class with three right. really simple questions to get yeah. him anchored, get him grounded. Wow. That is really interesting because I never would have thought about like the anxiety of entering a classroom being, like you said, kind of just like disappearing because of three very simple questions. Mm-hmm. Well, always. If you can use someone's mind to kind of jump over their instincts, right. it's, you know, use the higher level thinking. Um, it, it's a great distraction and yeah. it's a positive distraction. Right. Um, you know, in the book, I write about a maze, you know, slap a maze on a board. If you've got kids that are just, you're having a really hard day, everyone's not keeping it together. But if you throw a maze on the board, well, how is X? like a maze? How is your stress like a maze? How is your day like a maze? And the last time I did this with, with, with a class, the answers that came out, you know, some were like, you have to kind of find your way through it. You have to be patient with yourself. You hit a lot of walls, like all of the things that came out, all of the sudden this class was, they were, their curiosity was completely forward. And that, you know, it just, by the end, everybody was settled because it brought out such interesting perspectives mm. and, all, and all it was, was a maze. Right. And then a lot of them wanted to literally physically, you know, oh, find the maze. through it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so all of those things just poof, right. uh, dissolved the stress and the ambiguity. Right. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. It's fun. It's, yeah. So when, um, when kiddos are, you know, kind of figuring themselves out or adults are figuring themselves out, you know, in the workplace or in just their regular lives, um, do you recommend that they learn how to self-advocate so that they can tell people like, I'm on this journey of like figuring out how to unmask all of that? Absolutely. You know, the, the more you have your words, uh, the easier it is to kind of define the problem. Right. And, you know, even adults, you know, that will come and, and there will be aspects of their lives that you can tell are taking a significant draw of their energy and they're trying to kind of save themselves for other tasks, you know, or what they're, what they're doing and just in their daily routines, they're finding they, there's something that keeps them from adding the things that they think are going to bring them joy that mm-hmm. are going to balance them. Right. Um, and so, you know, talking about what that is, like, you know, the first part of this, it's really the paradigm shift that yeah. occurs when you're giving these kinds of results and somebody says, oh my gosh, I get it. <gasps> you just, you just told me why I, you know, mm-hmm. and they fill in their own blanks right. and it's a huge watershed moment. And after that, then the coaching process is 
how to identify that, you know, on a weekly basis, on an, on an overarching basis. And then people, you know, it really doesn't take as long as you might think, because that initial paradigm shift is really 75% of it, of somebody saying, that's what it is. You know, now you've told my whole life X, that's what that is. Wow. And, you know, and all of a sudden, boom, you know, they're on another path or they've been able to make their own shift or transition. Right. And all you did was just give them their words. Right. So from a legal point of view, it's important to teach people to self-advocate because over the age of 18, it's necessary. And so, you know, any kiddos that are in my practice, we're always talking about giving them their words. And, and I, I do that in a, I call it my playbook session because it's a way for them to understand themselves. They don't have to remember all the fancy psychology vocabulary, right? But they can remember, oh, my brain has no filter today. <laughs> you know, they can remember that really easily. Who right. cares about the word inhibit? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's that's the way they understand it. And right. those little moments that you know we you know we kind of chuckle about. And and rib each other about can be really healing because the shame goes away, the words come in, the person exhales, and then they're they're in a different space, and then they're ready to learn some things that they don't know how to do yet. Right. And so, would you recommend like a lot of times we say for kids that are getting like IEPs or five hundred four plans that they go in at the beginning of school year, you know, let their teachers know what the deal is. But for, excuse me, for an adult or someone who's maybe like entering the workforce or going to college, like what do you recommend there? Um, College, you know, colleges have offices that Mm. catch these reports that provide advocacy and oversight for their students and students, you know, walking into an office like that as a freshman are, it's pretty, it can be kind of intimidating, Yeah, but to go in and, and then understand that, yeah, there is an office that speaks this language, right? Even if I'm not really practiced at advocating for myself, mm. but knowing that, that there's somebody on their campus that they can have as a touchstone if they need it. Right. Uh, you know, they're the ones that are sending the note requests, the accommodations. Um, and so I have a lot of students that go to college and then they're really relieved to find that they're not going to have to do absolutely everything. Right. Others, others that are less practiced that have to be coached and supported into those relationships. Yeah. Um, and so it, it's a big deal on the college level because if you're entering college with a history of, you know, psychoeducational evaluation and IEP 504, you know, definitely those are going to follow you into higher education. Um, an adult in the workplace, the conversations I have more with adults are, am, is what I'm doing, am I, am I really suited for what I'm doing? Mm. You know, um, you know, I've had clients in accounting who, you know, the working memory required to do that job yeah. left them you know, they couldn't, they didn't have resources for anything else. Right. And then they, you know, oh, well, I write music. I'm a musician. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe I want to be a music teacher, music therapist. 
you know, and you, so you watch people kind of climb out of things that they've done, you know, to survive and support themselves and get that little glimmer of, oh, this totally doesn't fit me. It's really taking what resources I have. It's taking all of them. When, if I chose something that's more in my rhythm, in my, in my skill set, that might minimize some of these demands and allow me to grow in other ways. And I've seen several people take journeys like that. Wow. That is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's so fun. Yeah. I can't imagine how many people you've helped like actually find the passion that, you know, that they have been like seeking out with the job for so long. So that's so exciting. It's neat. It's, you know, we tend to look at those psychology reports. They're full of numbers that most people don't understand. And one of the things that is a value to me in my practice is that if you're coming for an evaluation like this, at the end, you are going to know what I know about you or your kiddo. You're going to know what I know. You don't have to digest everything. It's documented. Here it is but you're going to know exactly how to animate what's in that report, both on the short term and the long term. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Wow. So we've talked about how a person can self-advocate and how they can kind of support themselves on that, the journey of unmasking, but how do they implore their friends and their family to be supportive on that journey? So once people get kind of brave about it, you know, they want to tell about it, right? Yeah. You know, as you kind of get comfortable in that space, then then you want to give an explanation. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, to say to, you know, a family member, hey, oh, sorry, it's just, you know, yeah, I don't have a filter today. Or I'm really sorry I got mad at you earlier. My emotions got really big, really fast. Or, you know, and, and so being able, again, to give, have the words for it. And to be able to say afterwards, even if it's, you know, after the fact, like, that's what that was. And yeah. that's what parents and family members and teachers can say, we're going to use those words. And, oh, is this, is this what you're doing? Yeah. And, you know, that's when everybody is on that same page and, you know, back to like a result session of making sure that families have the same language or giving it to teachers and saying, guess what, kiddo, your teacher's going to learn this about you too. Yeah. And we're talking to them too, you know? And so this, this is going to travel and it's fun when kids come back and say, my teacher showed me the scale of geologic time. And, you know, and, and this is a kiddo who loves dinosaurs. And so we're always looking up and down the scale of geologic time and, (laughs) When I, you know, I give that to a teacher and they start using it and then, you know, you get these stories and it's like, oh yeah, fabulous. I'm so glad that, that they're doing that. And, and kids don't mind after that because that helps the transfer. Then it's not just a session activity. It's, oh, my teacher's using it too. And by the way, this this does help my curiosity and it does help focus and ground me. Um, Yeah. Very cool. Well, I think that was my last question for you. I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to add. Hmm. I don't think so. Um, you know, uh, unmasking 
it's a big topic in a lot of different ways. The clinical skills are what I'm focused on in this conversation, of course, the executive functions and understanding how they translate in different learning settings um, from the outside in. It's that outside in piece where if we don't get that target right, things skid and, and students and kids don't benefit. Um, But, you know, there's, many fine grain layers to masking and oh yeah so, you know social masking and things like that but having your words having that paradigm shift and knowing what to call it are nine tenths of the way to helping a person you know make progress in that area right that's fabulous yeah. well thank you so so much for being here this has been incredibly informative sure it's my pleasure anytime awesome Thank you so much to the audience for listening. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a little rating and review. It helps other folks find the podcast and we'll chat with you next time.